What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 185 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your still co-host, Lucas Agan. I promise you I'm still here. It's been a long couple weeks. I'll get into that in just a second. But joining me, as always, is my awesome, amazing co-host, Ryan Smith, who has held the fort down these last couple weeks. Ryan, how was your weekend, my friend? It's been so lonely without you, Lucas. Yeah, I am so <laughs> glad to have you back. Uh, you know, again, I know that, and you're gonna you're gonna get into your story a little bit, so I don't want to spoil that. But uh, it's been fantastic. It's been it's been super chill. Lots of games. Uh, fantastic games have been coming out, uh, which has been which has been a lot of fun. I kind of like. So I've been slipping. I, I've been playing Final Fantasy 16, and I should have it finished by now. But then Exo Primal dropped. And I've been saying it, I've been saying, I've been telling people so far, that is the game I didn't know I needed of 2023. Uh, I'm having absolute blast with that game. So I got that in, got a little bit of Destiny, but I'm kind of burning out on that. And then I went back to some Final Fantasy. But overall, the girls are back home, uh, had a blast, met up with a buddy, did some karaoke. So it was a pretty solid weekend, man. It was a pretty solid weekend. What about, I know you've been busy uh, handling stuff. How have you been, my friend? Pretty good. You know, things uh, things are looking up. Uh, the reason why I've been gone these last couple episodes is my girlfriend had a little bit of a medical emergency. Uh, she woke up from a nap and couldn't move. And uh, mm. luckily, it wasn't a stroke. Uh, she's in her, an acute rehab facility, so she's making good progress. Uh, knock on wood, we're through the worst of it. But... Uh, just had some business to take care of. Yeah. Uh, although this past weekend, finally got a chance to breathe, uh, went out and, and took in the big boxing match, uh, nice. which was entertaining. <laughs> a little surprising that it was so one-sided, but uh, you know what? Crawford went out with Eminem as his hype man, so automatically I was rooting for That's him. That's a because in my book. <laughs> how can you not? <laughs> but enough about us. We have a very special guest joining us this week. He is the community and business development lead at Hitbox, Cameron Garcia. Thank you so much for joining us, Cameron. How are you doing, my friend? I'm, I'm doing great. Hello, hello. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a what a crazy weekend with uh, this smoke coming in, too. So yes. Yes. here in Vegas. I, I stayed indoors all weekend, getting away from it. And yeah. So that's not very much for me on that end, but I'm pleasure being here and I'm excited to excited to talk to you guys. No, it's it's crazy because like all of a sudden like I was like, is it gonna storm or something? It's like no no no, that is that is smoke from mm-hmm. a fire. Yeah, like, that is brutal mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, and well, and to couple with that, I mean, the temperatures have been absolutely ridiculous. I'm over. Oh, yeah. I'm over summer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over this heat. Yeah. Give me fall. I'm mm-hmm. ready for it. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's been crazy, but no, we're, we're, thank you so much for, for joining us and, and being on the show. We're super excited to talk about what you guys have going on over at Hitbox and everything. Um, but, but obviously first we gotta, we gotta get into some news, Lucas. What are we, what are we talking about today? Well, we're, uh, heating up with some Switch 2 rumors, mm. uh, that supposedly some development kits are out in the wild and the latest rumors that we're looking at the second half of next year mm. for a Switch 2, which... Makes sense to me. I mean, you you line it up, I guess, for the holiday season. I mean, mm-hmm. the Turex. November yeah. probably sounds like a, a safe bet right now. Uh, it's been long rumored the Switch is probably due for an update. Yeah. I'd be shocked if they went away from the form factor, given how successful the Switch is. I think the most interesting thing I'm looking at is whether this is going to be like a true successor or is it going to be a little bit like their DS line where they introduce an upgraded mm-hmm. model, but they try and keep the original models uh 
as long as they can. Right. That's the only thing I'm I'm interested in. But I am all for a more powerful switch. Mm-hmm. Give me that extra power. I still have my launch switch, so I might as well just hang on to <laughs> yeah. it now for another year. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Nintendo Metroid Prime Four would be an awesome game to launch with. Oh. Please, Nintendo. Just it would line it. up perfectly in my mind. <laughs> it, it would. Here, so I have some a, a, some reservations about it a little bit because um, number one, so we had the Switch, we had the Switch Pro that came out as well, which upgraded with the OLED, mm-hmm. um, high, you know, stronger processor, all that good stuff. Where do you go from there? Not only where do you go from there, but how do you then keep it within a consumer friendly price? as well because that's going to be the big thing you know that was one of the big turn-ons you know in terms of the switch is the fact that you got this console at way cheaper so you had more people coming in and obviously uh, nintendo's uh, a, a little more of a family-friendly brand mm-hmm. um so you had a lot of people that picked that up so i'm i'm trying to envision what they can do especially when it comes to that hardware because Obviously, if you're making something more powerful, a lot of times it's either going to be heavier, there's going to be more stuff in there, and there's not a lot of space if it is like a console, you know, type uh, of uh, um, uh, device. So, you know, I'm a a little reserved uh, in terms of that seeing what the price point is obviously it's i mean we're at seven years now typically the the console cycle is like six to seven years Mm -hmm. so you know it's to be expected uh i just don't know what they can do to really differentiate itself from you know the switch and switch pro to what this next console looks like not only that but these games are getting you know more graphically mm-hmm. intense we saw that there were some games that came out on the switch that really struggled yeah. uh and, you know i don't know if it was from the developer standpoint or a hardware standpoint but they had struggles but then you have something like uh um tears of the kingdom which runs absolutely beautifully mm-hmm. so this is like mm, where did they go I, I don't know i'm here for it though <laughs> But, and I don't know, like, the technical specifics, but my, my guess would be they would do something uh, more intense with the, the dock. So I, I, don't, right. I don't know if there's a way that they would be able to maybe improve processing power or some sort of, like, RAM mm-hmm. by having it connected to a dock where, you know, th- these games are multiple, multiple gigs these right. days. Can take hours to download on modern consoles that aren't the Switch. Mm-hmm. How is Switch gonna <laughs> compete with that? And you know, we're 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 trying to buy these mini micro <laughs> SDs, yeah. and those are fantastic, multiple gigs. But we're talking people needing multiple terabytes nowadays to right. play their you know their Call of Duties and all these games with multiple downloads. That's the, seriously the only thing I can think of. Nintendo's far clever, more clever than me with right. that sort of stuff. But that's mm-hmm. the only thing I could think of is if the dock itself sort of ex- extends more out on what right. the what the console is. You know, that's no, I, I love that too because that's been one of my big issues with the Switch in general. It's just that its online play is it's it leaves something to be desired. Uh, it's not the greatest. I don't think it was a focus, you know, when they first went into the market, but they're seeing where things are going. We know that the, the if the Microsoft Activision deal goes through, mm-hmm. they then are slated to get Call of Duty for, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. How a Call of Duty is going, I could barely run it on my PlayStation 5. <laughs> I'm just like, this is too much, man. Yeah. Like, I, got, yeah. I, I could have this one game and maybe a couple others, and that's it. Yeah. So how's that going to work on a Switch? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would love to see more out of yeah. their out of that uh, out of their dock, though. I think that's yeah. where a lot can come from. 
I will say I'm a little bit more optimistic on price, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because these last couple of generations, Nintendo has tried to undercut uh, mm -hmm. its rivals on price. You look at even going back to like the Wii mm -hmm. and the Wii U uh, and into the Switch here. So if we're looking at like the Steam Deck, which comes in at 400 at its lowest, I'd be really surprised if Nintendo went any higher than 350. Like I think mm -hmm. Nintendo values itself as being a cheaper alternative for families for that reason. So they can say, hey, you know, you can get this system for an entry model of 400, but really you're going to be spending more than that because 64 gigs isn't enough right. anyway for the, for the Steam Deck. Or you can come on and, and do, you know, get the Switch 2, whatever it's called, for 300 or 350. Mm -hmm. Like I could, I could definitely see them staying within that range just to say they're still the, yeah. the affordable alternative out there. Right. Well, and the other thing to think about too is the Switch is not slowing up. Mm -hmm. I mean, the sales, the games that are coming out, the console itself, I think it's slowed down in terms of sales a little bit. Uh, but I mean, why change something that's already already good too? So yeah. I'm wondering, you know, how much or, or how long or if they even have a plan for supporting the original Switch once they do move over to a new console mm -hmm. uh, and what that looks like. Because we do know that, um, you know, there's times where... where uh, they'll just get rid of a console or something like that and then there's just no support for it. So something that I'd like to see out of this, whatever the new Switch is, there's gotta be some sort of backwards compatibility. Yeah. People yep. have thrown hundreds and hundreds of dollars in games and, and other things in that original Switch. It'll be a shame if that all just kinda is like, whoop. If you don't, you know, you gotta play it on your Switch. You can't yep. play it on your, your whatever our new, new console is, so. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how, how it plays out. I'm excited for more details, more like solid, yeah. concrete details, because they've been super tight-lipped about it. They're like, well, no, we're not We're not doing anything. What are you talking about? No, don't look over here at this patent. What? <laughs> Although, given Nintendo's track record, I really don't... If it's coming out the second half of next year, we're not hearing anything until, like, July. Right. Like, at the earliest, depending <laughs> on when it's coming out. But That's true. We'll see. That's well, true. I guess one thing to point out, too, is their, their virtual console for Wii... Mm -hmm. and I believe Wii U, that's not a thing anymore. Right, right. I'm assuming what's going to happen, too, is these GameCube and Wii games are going to be ported onto whatever new thing they have, too, and that comes with more graphical capabilities. Right. And I'm I'm excited about it. The The Switch is my favorite console ever. I okay. was just playing Breath of the Wild. Yes, I know I'm behind. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a long, you know, it took me, like, it, seven years. No, it's... it's <laughs> It's a drudge. It, yeah. it, it takes a while, but I I enjoy it so much. Yeah. I, I was playing uh, Donkey Kong Country on that the mm -hmm. other day. It, mm -hmm. It's the best console by far, in my in my opinion. Wait, so let me ask you: Do you do you subscribe to like the online play and like the family sharing stuff and whatnot? Yeah, so I have okay. the I have the family sharing. Yeah. So I have an account with my family, and we have the obviously the Nintendo Super Nintendo and mm -hmm. Nintendo sixty four uh, access. And yeah. I, to me, that's the greatest thing ever. I'm I. I don't own any other consoles other than Switch that are newer than PS3. Uh, <laughs> Very nice. Um, and, and part of that is because I, I have a bunch of Super Nintendo uh, NES games and, and Nintendo 64. F-Zero X is one of my favorite games okay. ever. So I'm I'm still stuck on that <laughs> retro stuff. And, it, it, you know, it's why I'm like fighting games. The Fighting games are retro, right? Right. 
Yeah, I will say the power of the Switch has been having Nintendo's entire lineup mm-hmm. on one system instead of having to split between its handheld. Yep. And the, the good part about that is the handheld games now are upgraded to, to being a, a home release. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I love I love yeah. my Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... I Right. That's probably. I know. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. That's probably the console I play the least. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's it's not only it's it's because of where it's located in my house. It's in the living room, and I don't do a lot of gaming in the living room. It was mm-hmm. more of a hey, this yeah. is for the family, this and that. Uh, but usually, I'm in my room with the, either the PS5 or my or my uh, PC mm-hmm. uh, gaming over there. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd get it. Yeah. I, whatever whatever they come out with, I'm, there's no way I'm not going to get it. Yeah. Right? I, I'm going to be real with you. I will absolutely <laughs> get it. <laughs> what do we got next? Well, of course, this weekend is a big weekend, yeah. uh, not only for the local Vegas esports scene, but the fighting game community because it is Evo weekend this Friday through Sunday uh, at Mandalay Bay with the finals in a nice packed arena. My goodness, this is going to be an exciting time. Obviously, the energy is going to be high. Uh, the second year back from the pandemic in person, so that's also exciting. Uh, Ryan, we you talked to Rick a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, and I know he's probably excited slash pulling his hair out. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, let's face it. But, oh my gosh, guys, are you guys ready for what should be a crazy, crazy weekend? This is the most competitors they've ever had. It's going to be huge. And, and, and it's not only Street Fighter VI, um, but I believe Marvel, or not Marvel vs. Capcom, um, uh, is it Blaze Blue? I think broke a record with their entrance as well. There's a couple other games that had uh, uh, record numbers for entrance. Like, it's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. It's going to be huge. The convention yeah. side of it's going to be amazing. You know, speaking with Rick, and again, thank you so much for coming on the show, Rick. Uh, you know, what my some of my focus was on was I know that they had, you know, there was uh, um, some difficulties with some of the broadcast stuff and just like logistics and things like that. So it seems like, you know, they, they've got a plan laid out. They know what they're going to execute that plan. Um, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's going to be huge. I got friends in town right now that, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's literally a gathering of the fighting game community from around the world, not only to be able to come and, and, and experience this tournament, but then hang out with these friends and, and really um, just kind of solidify those friendships that people mm-hmm. have built online, the community and stuff like that. So, I mean, the energy is electric in Las oh. Vegas right now. It is absolutely insane. I can only imagine it's gotta be very exciting for you guys uh, as well, dude. Oh yeah, there's, uh, well, driving on the way here, I saw the, <laughs> the image on the screen at Mandalay Bay with Evo on it. And that's, you know, when your heart skips a little <laughs> yeah, bit and yeah. you're like, okay, it's happening. it's happening. And I wasn't ready for it. No, you you can never be ready for this. And 10,000 plus uh, attendees mm-hmm. um, competing, right. by the way, competing, right. at, competing at this, which is, if I understand correctly, and it, uh, Rick was actually talking about this too, is this is on par with poker. Like right. poker and fighting game events are now entering the same real realm of how many people enter an open entry bracket. This is not not non invitational sort of things. So not like how professional athletic sports work. Right, right. ten thousand people. It, <laughs> you know, I've run tournaments in my life, but it was like. It was like eighty people. Uh, <laughs> no, sorry, that's really tough. I'm done. I'm done with events. That's that side of it. Obviously, the friends coming into town. Mm-hmm. Um, 
all the potential networking and business opportunities that come in with this for everybody within the esports scene here, outside of fighting games as well. Right. Um, and you know, working with Hitbox, we're very focused on fighting games. We have exciting news that we're going to be sharing this week as well. <laughs> I, I wish I could talk about it today. <laughs> something's um, coming though. <laughs> something's coming. Um, but yeah, it's. You know, this uh, past couple weeks has been stressful, and right after recording this, it's going to be just <laughs> a marathon of, I hope I have enough cliff bars in my car because right? I, I need to have energy for the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah. When you have the business side of things to consider, too, has that changed your relationship with an event like Evil or how you look at it uh, just because... You're not just going as a fan. You're going there to to help represent a great company, and and you also have you know networking, business deals to make, and all that good mm-hmm. stuff. It definitely does. And to put a little context on my perspective on it is the first Evo I went to was Evo 2011, and you would walk into Caesars, yeah. and you just walk into the door, and that was the venue. It was free, <laughs> and. Daigo had like a line that took up the whole room to sign up for, you know, get a signature. And I was playing the non-fighting game Smash Brothers in the corner, you know. Um, but it was it was exciting. Uh, that uh, top eight for Street Fighter Four was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that was the first year of uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Three. It was the vanilla version. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awesome seeing that live. But over the years, I. I honestly haven't been much of a compa- uh, of uh, a spectator because I I've, I've been part of the community here and so I would help with getting setups and right. TVs and so it had been a fairly a volunteer business pr- sort of perspective but really to answer your question it it is very interesting to kind of get that shift and the best part about Evo compared to other events is the fact that the day three arena exists Mm -hmm. being able to go into that arena business wise or spectator wise is the coolest thing in the world it will i have not yelled that loud in my entire (laughs) life when it was when kawana won last year you know we we, Uh we were sponsoring him and i yelled so loud (laughs) and um er, yeah earlier quick is earlier last year i broke my collarbone and so i it was still a little fresh in the summer it was it was healed and perfectly fine but um sean one of the co-owners hugged me and i thought he (laughs) re-broke my collarbone because he's it was such an exciting event and it's in the arena it's just you can't match that electricity in in any sort of fighting game experience and even live sports to be honest like i've been to quite a bit of live sports and that's that matches it, if not beats it. So it's interesting that you say that too, because I feel like that's the magic that esports has been trying to capture and they struggle with. But it just seems so natural for the fighting game community. They get so hyped on these matches. I can think of like literally all kinds of just iconic moments in fighting game history that have gone down. And like you're right, it is absolutely electric there. It's a lot of times more than more so than a traditional uh traditional sports mm-hmm. and then it's a great arena too like mm-hmm. the arena is huge like you are literally on the on you know the the biggest playing field the biggest stage mm-hmm. for fighting games not only that but then you have street fighter 6 
that just came out a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. So this is gonna crown yeah. the first definitive champion yeah. of Street Fighter VI. Nobody has quite gotten all the mechanics or learned mm -hmm. all the things. So it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be intense. It's gonna be absolutely it, intense. It, I'm ready for it. It's gonna be a bloodbath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I I live for this kind of stuff. When it, I when I yeah. saw the release date for Street Fighter Six and then saw that it was gonna be at Evo, I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I want. I want to see everybody fighting to get to the top of that mountain and nobody knowing everything yet. Exactly. Exactly. It, it no. It, it's gonna be. I mean. I was sitting there thinking about it. I was like, there's going to be so many pools that Friday and Saturday, like, mm, they are yeah. in for some long, long yeah. days. But it's going to be amazing. Yep. Uh, again, tickets are still on sale as well. So as spectators, you can go uh, online. I believe it's, uh, um, is it Evo? Is it Evo.com? Evo.gg. Evo.gg, yeah. Evo.gg, you can get tickets. Um, that's this weekend, starts this Friday. Uh, so check it out. Make sure you, uh, you're you there. It's going to be it's gonna be amazing. So uh, let's take a quick commercial break, and we're coming back, speaking with Cameron and everything they've got going on. We'll be right back, y'all. And now comes the fun part of the episode. And I, Cameron, I am super interested. First of all, Talk to us about how you got involved with Hitbox and why you wanted to get involved with, with this company. Long story, but I will try to keep it as short <laughs> as possible. Um, I used to run Smash Brothers events here in Vegas and very active with the community. And I had a couple of friends, really good friends, still still my best friends to this day that would show up to events. And I had heard of this Hitbox company. My friend actually played on one of their controllers, an all button thing. I thought that was really interesting. I hated the arcade stick. I never, mm. ever got used to it. I grew up playing, you know, a pad. Um, so I could never get into fighting games. But once I learned about the hitbox, like, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. I want to just get the directions. But I never really did anything with that. Still, with that friend, he brought the co-owner of Hitbox to one of our Smash events. Mm. Little did I know he was doing some espionage work <laughs> to understand what how Melee worked so he can design a controller for it. That's what we now call the smash box. Um, mm. But I ended up talking to him because one of my things at events was to talk to new people mm -hmm. and make sure they knew how the event was running, you know, how, you know, how to sign up for an event and stuff like that and mm -hmm. just be friendly. Well, him and I ended up talking for like two or three hours at this event and he didn't get to play as much as he wanted <laughs> to play. But that sort of started this, this snowball effect and because of that, I got to be a tester of one of the earlier versions of the Smashbox, mm. partly because I was running events, also partly because I have broken my wrist in high school playing baseball. And over time, when you're squeezing your hand like this yeah. with uh, melee, you know, clicking all the buttons and stuff, I couldn't compete anymore. Mm -hmm. And then playing on the Smashbox, I was able to, and, you know, I was so, so happy. Um, obviously, there's a learning curve to it because it's a whole different scheme. But because of my knowledge of the Smashbox, because I was playing it so much compared to other people, other people didn't want to play it because it had that learning curve. I right. needed to play it because I wanted to play Smash Brothers. So I knew the controller pretty in depth. And with that, I was asked to help him with a few things at like Evo 2016 um, and then at Evo... Evo 2017 it helped a little bit, but it was Evo 2018 where they asked me to help at the booth to, mm -hmm. to help teach the Smashbox to people. And I was scheduled to do two two-hour sh shifts, one on Friday, one on Saturday. I ended up staying like 
eight or nine hours each day at the booth mm. because I enjoyed it so much and just, you know, talking with the co-owners and everything. And that Wednesday after that Evo, they said, hey, you want to come out to breakfast with us real quick? There's something we want to talk about. And it was, hey, do you want to be our community manager for Smash Brothers? Because we need some help with that. I was like, absolutely. <laughs> I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> really no understanding what that really meant. Uh-huh. Um, but part of it was, you know, I, like I said, running events for, I ran events for 10 years here in Vegas. Um, and a big part of my responsibilities here were adminning and moderating the groups, Facebook groups, discords mm-hmm. and stuff here. And I had a lot of connections with the Smash community, friends across the world. That's what happens when you get into esports and yeah. fighting games. You have friends everywhere. Um, and so with those connections, they they saw I was a good fit to be able to connect with these people and sort of help Hitbox get into the community a little bit more. And yeah, you know, that was just, hey, Cameron, we needed to send a few emails and help, help, look, help look over some Smash content that we're trying to make mm-hmm. into... Uh, you're running our social media now, by the way. <laughs> oh, and now you're organizing all the events we sponsor. And That's fast forward to now where, um, you know, it's I cannot count and list all the things I do now. But um, like you said, community and business development lead is my my main focus is the our customers and mm-hmm. the and potential customers who interact with us and um, developing the business in a way that um, can sustain itself. Mm-hmm. That means business partners, obviously community stuff, and you know new things that we're going to be announcing this week. <laughs> um, sort of just helping a lot of things. It's 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 my hands are in basically everything at Hitbox. Yeah. Um, uh, but I am still doing social media. So if you're if you're, <laughs> if you're hating on us, you're talking to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so it's it it's a lot, but. Uh, it's fun. It's the most stressful job I've ever had, but it's also the most fun job I've ever had. I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I want to touch on something too. You talked about, uh, you know, when you broke your wrist, uh, and and Hitbox came up when I have a friend that she has arthritis and she can't play console anymore because, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously it hurts to use a controller. And we were like, well, why don't you use a Hitbox? I was like, that'd be huge to be able to do that. It should, uh, you know, you should have a better experience doing that. How much would you say that you guys kind of look into? I know it didn't necessarily start out that way, but how much do you guys look at the accessibility side of things? What kind of conversations do you guys have? Because we know that there's a lot of folks now, too, that Mm -hmm. there's different uh, um, groups and organizations that are really uh, making a push for more accessibility so that everyone has the ability to to play video games. Yeah, so I I do want to say at first that the gaming industry as a whole is doing it is doing a much better job yeah. now than even like two years ago yeah, right? when yeah. it comes to accessibility. Um, Street Fighter Six has uh, sound cues mm-hmm. in the game, which I think is fantastic. There's a lot of uh, low sight or blind people that play fighting games. Mm-hmm. People don't know about this, but they, they're out there playing it and they're very good, mm-hmm. they're very good. <laughs> but the, yeah, the gaming industry is doing its part right now. For sure. Microsoft obviously has its accessibility controller. Sony's coming out with, with its yep. at yep. the end of the year. So th- that's one side of it is how the games actually allow you to interact with it is, right. a, is a whole different thing. Um, but as much as what I can talk on is the peripheral you're using, how mm-hmm. you're going to interact with the game, you know, to the console or game or whatever. So 
the hitbox was designed for simplicity's sake. It was take the stick and make it into buttons. Mm-hmm. When they were creating a, the hitbox, they didn't intend to. They just wanted to fix the arcade stick they currently had, <laughs> and they took it apart because they were learning. They were learning Marvel to get good at Marvel Three that was right. about to be released, and they weren't very good. <laughs> but also, they had bad controllers because you don't want to invest hundreds and hundreds of dollars into that. They opened yeah. it up and realized there's four switches here. Why don't we just make it into buttons? Right. And so they took, you know, their their dad is a handyman. And they took uh, extra wood flooring and made controllers out of it. <laughs> and amazing. but the, with the idea of simplicity, they, they yeah. were PC gamers. They played uh, Diablo, okay. Diablo two back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and Warcraft. And so they came from the space bar being the jump. Yeah, in a, in a lot of cases, um, not those specific games per se, but <laughs> <laughs> you get the idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So to shorten all that down is it w- the goal was to take these ideas of okay you could simply just make it into buttons and take what you what we learned from the keyboard and simplify it for a fighting game. Mm-hmm. It's all been about simplicity because in order to get the correct actions you want in a game, you got to limit the hurdles of getting there. Right. So in one way in developing something that is effective for competition, you actually in a very similar way are making something ergonomic and accessible. The fact that these, it's the, you simplify the button schematics or, you know, whatever it is, opens the possibility for a lot more people. So at first accessibility and ergonomics weren't necessarily the forefront, Mm -hmm. but as time went on, ergonomics, became a huge thing and yeah. mm-hmm. we, you know with word they weren't just throwing buttons onto a thing and be like <laughs> okay that's gonna work that right. looks good no it was there was a lot of testing a lot of ensuring that the hands were comfortable with it right obviously that's important but yeah nowadays with uh accessibility becoming more important for the industry but also us at hitbox mm-hmm. finding ways in which we can apply that to our controllers is a process we're 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 going through at the moment. Yeah. We're, we're obviously we're we're a smaller company. We're not these big multi billion dollar companies. We're we're this, we're local. Right. I'm one tenth of the company you're looking at right now, right? Um, so we're we're trying our best. And uh, one of the things that is a, a balance when it comes to making controllers for esports competitive gaming is it has to match the rules. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that I would say peripheral companies and games aren't getting to quite yet. Steam does a good job with this sort of stuff where there's sort of binds built within binds, macros essentially, that you can build into your controller or into the game that allows certain functions to happen if you press them in a certain way. And you can't do that in controllers if you're competing in competitive fighting games mm-hmm. that is it's supposed to be one-to-one you hit up you only get up you hit punch you only get punch so that's the limitation we're sort of running into when it comes to at least competitive fighting games um but with uh our smash box and our cross-up smash box was sort of take the idea of that arcade controller how do you use it on something that has fully analog values mm-hmm. and it a lot of complexity to that but it 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 does it, and it does provide some accessibility with that, but 
also competitive integrity. You can't do things in a certain way, so you right. can't build those macros in there that would effectively be better. Mm-hmm. And then with the cross-up, our arcade stick hitbox hybrid, obviously that was built for competitive Mm-hmm. you know at first and then we realized that it's really fun to play other games on this thing <laughs> so we've we've built a lot of profiles extra functions within the controller that we try to ensure won't affect the competitive integrity but also sort of strengthen your ability to play multiple games on there so i don't play mario kart 8 without my cross up and oh wow i just i i just rather have all the buttons on my right hand than having to like do interesting things with my fingers um Mm -hmm. breath of the wild feels better on the cross-up as well because of the certain functions we put into it in my opinion i don't want (laughs) to say anything uh, super negative but like we're going in that direction and with with the cross-up that's kind of been our intention is sort of what what's our wiggle room Mm -hmm. as far as competitive integrity while also allowing people to get more out of their controller. Cause that's, that's the biggest issue with, um, arcade controllers when you're getting into fighting games, you buy that and you only play fighting games with that. Right. Mm-hmm. You're spending 200 to $400 on right. this product that you're going to be using rarely. Usually our idea was let's, let's get more out of this. So that's why mm-hmm. the, you know, we have the designer software allows you to button remap, you know, change buttons around. You can put, like attacks on your stick and then your movement on your fingers over here. But yeah, it, it getting more out of it is, is, is a big deal. It's how you do, how you do that within the framework with competitive integrity. That's always been the thing where we've been trying to tackle. Hmm. Obviously you're going to have a a big presence at Evo this weekend. Uh, When you talk to, especially new gamers uh, who maybe are, are uh, coming upon you for the first time or only know a little bit about what you guys do. W- do you find that they're open to to that learning curve now more than they have been in the past? I know that, that gamers can be particular uh, with what Very feels good. comfortable to yeah. them. Uh, <laughs> you so, don't kind say. Of do. <laughs> so, when you're trying to show you know the capabilities and advantages, even if it might take a little work on the front end of their part, have they become more receptive over time? Over time, absolutely. And really the the huge, the game changer is how we, how we instruct, how we demo visually on the internet. That's, that's one way. The other is now that people had time for like a year and a half to be at home and uh-huh. not doing much. Right. And so a lot of people got into fighting games during that time and got into our controllers and they had no choice but to learn. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just going to have to learn because I bought the thing and yeah. here I am. That's obviously helped as well. Um, popularity of us and our designs has helped out tremendously too. If the more they see people that are you know, higher on the totem pole, so to say, the more likely people are like, oh, okay, it works. It's just, I need to figure out how it works for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but hands down, and like with Evo coming up this weekend, uh, demoing at booths is the number one thing that gets people to understand it. Um, you cannot tell them. You can tell them, oh, up is at your thumb. It's not above the down <laughs> because think of it as a space bar. And even people who play PC gaming, conceptually that will make sense, but there's that still that leap you have to take when yeah. you go into a fighting game. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting people to the 
setup and actually trying the controller is the, the number one seller of the product. After that, I don't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. I just, they, it's just questions then. It's like, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? And then it's like, here's all the ways you can do these things. And the sell happens itself. Yeah. It, 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 it sells itself with that. So it's the, the hardest part is like getting people to understand the product, getting their hands on it. Simple as that. And more and more events have been happening in person. So it's been helping out a lot. Yeah, I, I think that is uh, really important to you because, I mean, I understand the concept of it. I've, I've seen it. I just can't picture myself mm -hmm. be like it seems it seems like it would be it seems like it would take some time for mm -hmm. sure. But again, the fact that you're saying, uh, especially the fact that it's not just fighting games that you can utilize uh the hitbox smashbox and, th and things of that nature but you guys are expanding from that i know that um you know you guys do uh, software updates mm -hmm. and, and things like that as well what does that look like i guess uh when it comes to updating you know looking at updates to the controller is that something that you guys are kind of just getting feedback from the community or just things that you guys have been rattling around and uh, you know we're going to get to this and when we we're finally ready to be able to uh, put this into an update and make this mm -hmm. a, a live product thing. Yeah, it's it's a combination of a lot of things. It's um, getting customer feedback over time, just mm -hmm. sort of getting understanding, oh, they people are talking about this specific thing or they're having this specific issue. That's definitely part of it. And if, if we're in that realm of we need a firmware update or whatever it is, mm -hmm. we'll start asking the community what they're sort of issues or hurdles are with our controllers to see if we can kind of get it into that update. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we uh, weekly have our development meetings where we talk about many things from social media to actual software engineering and how that all comes into our products. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it is a process of, okay, what, here's a list of things we all think is interesting. Okay. Is it possible? All right, put it in the bucket. <laughs> if it's not, throw it away. If it's right. not yet, put it into another bucket. And then we look at the possible bucket and like, okay, what is really interesting that would really like sell this thing? Or what would be extremely valuable to our customers? Or what do we see as extremely valuable to what we current, like compared to what we currently have? Mm -hmm. And just building off that. And it's that's a slow process because you, you don't want to it's very incremental yeah and yeah, we're yeah. It, it's a it's a weird thing i've been dealing with in that we try to be innovative mm -hmm. we think we're innovative but at the same time we act very conservatively we are very incremental build things from the ground up and making right. sure that it works all the way up and so that's how our firmware software development works as well mm -hmm. same with controller development it's you were going from the ground up we start still to this day we start with cardboard and we put buttons on it. It's like, does that going to feel good for a controller or whatever it is? Right. And, you know, with 3D printing, it's helped us out a lot as well. And the third thing when it comes with, you know, firmware updates and stuff like that, games. Mm. Yeah. If a game is released and something just doesn't work because how we set up our buttons, we have to completely change something. Ooh. Most recently, Cap, uh, Capcom released its rule set for Street Fighter VI, mm -hmm. and we had to come out with a firmware update that allowed our users to stay competitively, competitively integritous. 
like within compliance. With, with, yeah, so, within compliance. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. I lost my words there. <laughs> um, and so we had to create a firmware update for that. And that's a all hands on deck. We need to figure yeah. this out as soon as possible. And, um, you know, there were a few issues with that because there was high demand for that and very little time to get it out for testing. Mm -hmm. But I think what we have out now, our version 1.05 for Hitbox is really cool. We kind of found a way to get six buttons out of four because wow, people nice. people needed it. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's there's a lot of winging it with what customers are wanting. There's a lot of winging it from what the games or the companies are wanting, how people play the game. And obviously we're, we just have a slowly built, we call it buckets. We just mm -hmm. throw things in buckets and pick out of it. What really makes sense for now. Mm -hmm. Being a local company, uh, and, and it's great that Vegas is attracting such big events, you know, now on a yearly basis here. But where where do you envision Hitbox moving forward within, like, the local fighting game scene? Where where do you want to see some more synergy or, or how you guys can be uh, uh, putting your best foot forward out there and, and kind of being in, involved in what the locals have got going on? Yeah, and that's been that's been something we've been mulling around for quite a long time to provide a little bit of history, the local fighting game community here now has its roots deep, deep into the Hitbox Garage, is what it was called mm. back in the day. Dustin and Sean, the co-owners of Hitbox, co-creators, they ran fighting game casuals out of their garage mm. every Wednesday for, I, I don't know how long, but for quite a long time where it became a thing. You have 80 to 90 people showing up. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, in the middle of the summer <laughs> and they're all in there right so yeah but very fun and it was it was a lot of great players came out of that a evo champion came out of that ryan lv and getting getting back to that has been my number one goal as lo helping with the local community doing that in a way that makes sense for what the community's wants and needs are that's important you can't just go into a space and be like here this is what we're going to do show up or else you know right that's been something that i've been trying to figure out but as of late you know we reached out to the community i would say actually about a year ago today um roughly it, I, I had a conversation at evo last year with a, a couple local members and it inspired me to finally do something mm -hmm. um and it, i reached out to a few people basically asking what what can hitbox do to help you guys and i got a lot of varying answers and that was i, I don't want to say unsettling but confusing i guess is the best way to put it. it's like uh -huh. there those are a lot of things and a lot of it was well we just want hitbox to be there to show support because obviously that's that's a lot of strength mm -hmm. we don't mind doing that the issue is we want to make sure that whatever we're inputting into it the community or the event or whatever is getting the most out of it. That's mm -hmm. that's our number one concern with local community, especially. Mm -hmm. So over the past year, I've been working with the local fighting game community and helping admin and moderate their groups and stuff and helping them get organized so something big can come out of all this. Um, the easiest way to get support from anybody, and this is advice to everybody out there if you're doing anything grassroots or a small business or anything is if you're organized and you have a plan and you you have all the details and data and statistics 
you can pitch your ideas to anybody mm -hmm. and somebody will grab onto it and help you out. And all you need is that first one and the, the steps will come and come and come. So nothing, nothing in action at the moment, but it, it's been our focus for sure. We have members of Hitbox that go to fighting game events locally and you know, it's a whole network networking thing, obviously. And yeah, there's, there's a lot going on, but nothing, nothing we can, you know, point at at the moment. I would love, yeah, I, I think a lot of people would appreciate having something like, I mean, I've got a buddy that lives in Belgium that swears by Hitbox. If really? he can talk about it, he will, he yeah. will, do, you need to get one immediately, mm -hmm. uh, this and that. So I know that the folks, and again, like you're saying, it's more of a, um, you got to see it. You got to, you mm -hmm. got to be there and experience it to truly understand yeah. it and then kind of go from there. Uh, so I, I think that there would be, and especially out here in Las Vegas too, I feel like not only within the fighting game community in Las Vegas, but just the video game community mm -hmm. as a whole um, seems to be really, really supportive yeah. uh, out here. There's a lot mm -hmm. of things going on. We just recently uh, had legislation to, to make a, a eSports day for Nevada, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. So I love the fact that the whole, the city as a whole and the state as a whole really uh, has really taken a kin and and mm -hmm. and and are really supportive uh of this is, is that something that maybe that you guys would look at again just future speculation mm -hmm. uh for you know working with uh, some of these um not necessarily government entities but like say the city of las vegas to to like put on an event or working with some of these other uh organizations that are doing things in the sector of uh, education and uh, things that are happening in high school and the college level mm -hmm. oh absolutely i mean the the interesting thing with Hitbox is obviously it started very grassroots and it still is very grassroots, but we're tapping into this upper echelon of bigger businesses and mm -hmm. stuff. And there's some scariness to that, but <laughs> it, it, it provides us the perspective and the, the responsibility of like, like what you're saying is mm -hmm. we, of connecting to these bigger entities like like the state of Nevada, the city of Las Vegas, or whatever esports organizations want to work. Mm -hmm. But the the focus, and like I've been saying before, is is the grassroots stuff. So being able to connect those two is a is a big thing, at least to me. And Hitbox, I, I would say Hitbox as well. That if we can connect those two with what we deal with, fighting games currently, mm -hmm. yeah, we would. There's there's a lot of a lot of possibilities there, and, and especially locally, like yeah. like you're saying, Vegas is becoming this location, this idea really of what esports can be, and yeah. let's not shy away from the fact that Evo has probably made that a yep. big reason why. Yeah. Um, it, it's been here for I don't even remember how many years, but right. it is it has set a standard of what esports can be here. Yeah, Hitbox is definitely interested in working in that sort of direction. Is like I said, we're we're small and we're still trying to trying to build up and figuring out our what our direction is locally and within the greater esports is is something that we have to figure out ourselves too. Right. Well, my last question is: if we're talking a year or two from now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously you said Hitbox still a small company, already you're seeing great success, of course. What? do you expect or what would you like to see change like if we're talking two years from now what what will mark success for hitbox here uh over these next couple of years that you hope to, to see kind of come to fruition uh well you might see a little bit of it at evo <laughs> of what that direction is um but 
Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of ideas I have with that. I think one thing I know for sure is we want to lead the fighting game community in a in a responsible way and being more upfront and more consistent with that is definitely one of my goals and that that means a lot of things that means how we partner with communities how we partner with other businesses within the community that's that's a major focus of mine obviously community development um (laughs) but as far as uh unspeakable things that i you know i can't say (laughs) we're not done yet i is is the simplest way i can put it we we have a lot of great ideas in in our office Basically, none of us are uh, product developers, but we Mm -hmm. all have ideas. And that's one thing I really like working with Hitbox is we can all sit down in the same room and share our our ideas and we will be heard from the silliest to the greatest. And the things we have in line that, you know, we were visioning out five, 10, 20 years of things that are possible. And I guess at the end of it all, we're gonna make Vegas proud. We're gonna make our friends and family that have grown with this very proud on what's gonna happen in the future. And I'm just gonna keep it at that. <laughs> I am very excited to see what the what the future looks like. Um, again, Cameron, thank you so much for joining us. Please lay it on us, brother. Where can folks uh, uh, find the Hitbox? Where can they, you know, lay it, just lay it out. Lay, lay it out. out. <laughs> well, the number one place is hitboxarcade.com. On there, you will find links to our blogs, our product pages, uh, how-to tutorials, um, all of our social media is at the bottom there. If you can't find us, it's Hitbox Arcade on basically everything. Um, we're gonna be changing our Twitter. It, right now it's hitbox, hit underscore box. But you mean your be, ex? <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. As a social media manager, that is the past six months has been <laughs> not fun. Um, yeah, Hitbox Arcade. If you just look that up, you will you will find us. Yeah. Awesome. Again, Cameron, thank you so much thank for you. coming and joining thank us. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Lucas, what do you got going on? Wait a second. I know what you got going on. Evo. We got <laughs> We're ready to hear these announcements. Is what is what yeah. we're ready to do. Oh, it's gonna be exciting. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. I think that's what that that is the lineup for both of us. Evo. We'll be out there. Hopefully, we'll see you guys out there as well. Uh, don't forget, hit us up on the tweeters at Land Parties Pod, at Lucas Egan, or at is where you can find us. Thank you again so much for joining us. And you know what it is. We love your faces. <laughs> <laughs>